Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. I said today, one, I'm kind of tired, and secondly, this is going to be a little bit more instructional as we dig into today. So, um, and I, I want to say, if you, if you weren't here last week, one of the things that is important to me is that we get the instruction and we get the passion behind the instruction. And a lot of times it can happen in the same message. In this particular series, as we continue in the life of Jesus, and we're looking at this particular section of things as far as kingdom living, living the kingdom of God today, and some of the practical areas of our life, um, it is over four weeks. So last week was really the passion behind the message. Last week was the, the vision that God has for us as far as our day-to-day living. Um, and we're, today we're going to start going into some of the practicals, at least for the next two weeks, as we look at individual things. Now, if you weren't here with us last week, I highly, 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 highly encourage you to go back and pick it up, whether it be through YouTube, uh, Facebook, our church website, um, if you pick up the audio through iTunes, whatever it takes to get the passion behind this, because other than that, it would just be like bullet points of things that might kind of help you a little bit, but it's not going to really give you the full vision of moving from cultural Christianity today to living the kingdom of God today. Uh, so I really encourage you to go back and get that. But just so for now, uh, I'll, I'll give you, I can't say it's the definition that we're using for the kingdom of God, but it's the closest thing that we've got outside of the invite to use biblical imagination to dream about it. Uh, and to, to really imagine it. But uh, with this next statement, we've got a, uh, if I can get Chris's help, we've got to put a statement up on the screen for you that we used last week, a, a quote of the kingdom of God is freedom from oppression, it's healing, and it's wholeness. It's hope, peace, and joy. And we're using that just because it does give us somewhat of a benchmark to ask ourselves, am I l- truly living kingdom of God or am I kind of in this cultural Christianity thing? Am I dealing with a lot of oppression? Is it overwhelming me? Is that from a healing perspective that I just continue to struggle with? Is there um, areas in my life that I'm not whole, that, uh, I, that I can grow within wholeness? Do I feel peace? Do I feel hope? Do I feel joy? <laughs> in my life? And if the answer is no to some of those, then we know that there's areas that we can grow within the kingdom of God that we can move forward into. And one of those things that uh, is huge for all of us uh, is time. And that's what we're going to talk about today is how we handle the time that God has given us to be able to steward. So as I was going through my studies, and there's several different areas, um, areas and sources that I'm pulling from today uh, when it comes to time, but one of them from this ministry group of, uh, it's a medical ministry group out of the UK, had a, a lot of good resources, but they also had just kind of this, this interesting comment, and we'll put that on the screen for you next as well, um, is this. Time is the most valuable as- asset in our life, even more than money. If you lose money, it can be regained. If you lost time, it's gone forever. Uh, so that's just kind of an interesting way to look at it to see why this is such an important practical that God has for us so that Jesus examples for us and teaches us in our own lives as well. So digging into that, let's go ahead and get our Bibles out. Uh, we're going to go to Matthew, I think, chapter 11. Yep, Matthew chapter 11 to kind of get the invitation uh, for today to kind of get a little bit of that passion back uh, into uh, today. 
But uh, I will say this, if you use version, it's going to be very, very helpful today. If you don't, and you have it on your phone, it could be very, very useful to you today because this is very scripture heavy. And all of the scriptures are listed in your version. Even if you're not using it during the sermon, you'll have it later if you want to go back into some of these. Uh, and you're not having to sit there and write down a ton of scripture references. Uh, it's fine to do that, but my fear is I want to make sure you don't miss the scriptures while we're trying to scribble down the, the reference itself. Uh, so if you also just want to kind of um, take and skip that, if you don't have version, feel free to email me and I'll just send you the list of scriptures that we have today. Does that sound good? Okay, so let's dig into this and what we have. And we're getting into Matthew 11. We're in kind of an interesting point where Jesus is at. Uh, he has uh, been talking about John the Baptist. He's been talking about the greatness of John the Baptist uh, because of his humility, because of his sacrifice, because he lived um, the, the, the kingdom life here. And then he moves into, when you get to verse 20, um, talking about road to unrepentant cities. He starts naming particular cities that he has been in, that he has ministered in, that he's done great miracles in, that he's done healings in, and they did not repent. It did not change their lives. Um, the great cities, as far as how they looked at themselves, but he was saying it's going to be worse for them than Sodom and Gomorrah type when it, when it comes to them because they were not changed. And I, and I think that's an interesting message right before this when we've been talking about just kind of living a good Christian life. I get to go to heaven someday. I just want to be a little bit of a better person. And what he's called us to, the real change that he's called us to. And so right after that, when, he did, when he's talked about this in verse 25, uh, he has some kind of confusing lyrics here. Uh, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understand them and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. In other words, thank you, Father, for taking the stuff that's good and hiding it from the people that are successful and wise and all the different things from a worldly standpoint. But you reveal them to the misfits. You reveal them to the children. You reveal them to those that are truly seeking you. That's, uh, that, that, that really is where we're coming into. Um, and then he says in verse 28, and this is why I think it's a great invitation twofold from a, a time standpoint. Come to me, all who labor. Did you notice he changed from a prayer to a statement to us? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Pretty well-known voices, but I would say if I asked you guys to raise hands and you actually did it, if anybody feels like they're overwhelmed in their schedule, most of us feel pretty overwhelmed in our schedule. Well, let's just do it. Anybody? Just me? Look at all these liars that don't raise their hands. Oh, my gosh. You guys are... Katie, having a tough time, are you? She's got both hands up. Of <laughs> all the liars. <laughs> But listen to his invitation, come to me, come to me. If you're overwhelmed, it, there's a reason for it, so come to me. And did you hear the second part of his invitation? Not just come to me, not like, oh yeah, I need to pray about this. But he says, learn for me, learn for me. Angie grabbed me right, right before um, the, the, I was coming up for the sermon, I was talking about some things on our heart, and was coming back to the, the uh, point that we made last week of, are you getting this? Like the, the, his mentality, are you getting this? It, it, we've got to make sure we get a hold of that heart 
and then learn from him and accept that invitation to be able to have a different type of schedule in our lives. So with that, I'm actually going to close this. You can close it as well if you'd like to, uh, because like I said, most of the scripture that we're going to be going through today will be up on the screen and go bullet point by bullet point on what can we learn from Jesus uh, as an example, what can we learn from his teaching, what did he learn from the scripture of the Old Testament, uh, and what things were backed up in the full context of the scripture in the New Testament, as the writers wrote about this life that we had. So we're going to go through some, some bullet points here if you um, want to maybe get some freedom in your uh, schedule, and if you don't, I do not understand. Okay, point one, and there's going to be a lot of sub-points too, but point one is simply this, put God first in your life. Jesus was absolutely put God first in his life. So how do we do that? Again, first, you cannot put God first in your life if you've not accepted Jesus as his son. He is the way, he's the truth, he's his life. So when you acknowledge with your mouth that he is the son of God and you believe in your heart that he died and rose again for you, what we pull from Romans 10, and you say, you're God, I'm not, and I'm going to follow you, that's the start of putting him first in our lives. But with cultural Christianity, again, that becomes, I get to go to heaven someday, I get a get out hell free card, uh, and I get a parachute God who I call on whenever I'm in trouble. That would be the cultural Christianity. Jesus took it far, far higher than that. We've got to put uh, him first in our lives. Here's some scriptures that I'll, I'll give with that. Just some examples uh, on the next screen there, Chris. Yep. And they're going to be small. I'm going to read them to you, though. Matthew 6.33, he tells us, and again, this is some of the mount which we dug into, seek first his kingdom, seek first his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Everything will be given to us uh, because of the kingdom of living. Romans 6.13 tells us, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Every part offered to him, that he is first. The first sub-point I put within this, and I'm not going to have them on the screen, just going to have to write them down as I go, uh, but, but he, Jesus had godly priorities, right? Jesus had, had godly priorities. And there's a lot of people out there and lectures out there and sermons out there about what, kind of prior, what should be priorities in your life. And one of the ones I kind of have always kind of held on to uh, I mean, is uh, God first. I remember I've done youth ministry now for 30 years, and one thing that we have done several times is you're working with a group, and you have them write down all the things that are important to them on a piece of paper, uh, and you hope they put God. And then you start having them like, okay, someone comes in the room, and they've got a gun. They tell you you have to give up two of those things, or they're going to destroy your whole family. I never said I was good at youth ministry. Um, I just said I've been in it for a long time. That's not exactly how we phrased it, but... Um, so, you know, they take a couple things off, and then you do some more, and then you do some more. And the, the whole point of it is to get down to what is the most important thing to that youth. And again, hopefully God is what is, is left. That's what you, you're striving for. That's what the lesson would be based off uh, after that particular uh, exp experience uh, with them. Um, and then I always kind of held on to the mantra, if you're married, if you're married, uh, then your spouse is second, uh, and your kids are third. And all of them are pretty close to each other, but a lot of people um, don't hold on to that, and they put the kids above their spouse, and that is usually a recipe for, for trouble. Uh, you're, you're there to raise your kids and invest into your kids, and someday they're going to leave, and you're going to be stuck with that person sitting in the armchair next to you. So, um, and then after that, it, the 
what you, you coach your know, ministry or Christian community and these different things that you figure out. And if you're not married, hey, you don't have to worry about a spouse or kids. Good job, you. Um, congratulations. Now, um, I, I've changed that now, and I think that's a good model for some people, depending on where you're at. Um, but my priorities now is God first. That's it. That's it. Because one thing I've learned when I was trying to balance all these things is that he doesn't call us to balance. We don't give equal attention to everything under the sun. Um, but my God cares about my spouse. My God cares about my kids. My God cares about my ministry. My God cares about my day-to-day life. So if God is first, everything else just falls into place. Um, and I'm working with that now. I'm trying to figure that out now. But, the, but by far, what we love from Jesus as God is uh, first. Is his priorities. Another sub-point under that, if you're writing those down, is Jesus guarded his devotional life. Jesus uh, guarded his devotional life. Uh, we see this in prayer. We'll put some scriptures up with Chris's help here. Uh, a couple examples. Mark 1.35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 5.15 and 16, yet the news about him spread. All the most of the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of the sicknesses, but... Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Uh, I think most of us, when we say it has to do with prayer or devotional time or that one-on-one time with Jesus, it's just I have a hard time remembering or I have a hard time um, finding time to do that. If I'm modeling after Jesus to get a true kingdom life, uh, he often, we see it so many times in Scripture, before a big decision, after a big event, in his day-to-day life, in the garden or withdrawn to be able to pray and get recentered. And we see him oftentimes recentered through his prayer life. He does the same thing through scripture. Uh, this one I don't have up there uh, for, for Chris put, but if you want to write it down, it's Matthew 4, uh, 1 through 11. Matthew 4, 1 through 11 would be from a scriptural stand- standpoint when Jesus went head-to-head with Satan in the desert for those 40 day- well, after the 40 days for the three temptations. Uh, how did Jesus stand in his weakest physical time as a man? Over and over ago, he quoted Scripture. And he quoted Scripture from Deuteronomy. Most of us have never read Deuteronomy. Some of us, if I said, let's go to Deuteronomy, would start with the table of contents and work from there. <laughs> right? But Jesus knew the Scripture. He was in the Scripture. He was saved by the Scripture. This was his defense. And so if we want to have our time done well, God's priorities are for us, but also our time of God is so, so vitally important into that. Um, and then here's a couple more sub-points. This is the one I want to put the most time into, but um, and this one's going to be kind of like a duh, but I want you to think about it just a little bit. Uh, another sub-point of Jesus putting God for us is Jesus didn't sin. Jesus did not sin. We all know that. But one of the reasons he was being able to have his time well stewarded into the kingdom living is because he didn't sin. And when we sin, it takes our mind off of the kingdom living. It just, it does. We either got outside of his will, or we're worried about our witness, and it will mess up our, our, our witness if we don't handle it well and, and apologize and move forward. But when we sin, it either puts us in a rebellious place or a guilt place that takes our mindset off of God and impacts our time. Impacts our time. Um, if you're doing well for a while and you screw up because you got on uh, some pornography site and then you feel like crap afterwards, 
that makes you feel like crap for a while. And you're not focused on how am I spending my time with the Lord right now. Or you might be embarrassed to even go in front of him. Even though he says, please, boldly come. Please, boldly come. I want to give you grace and mercy. But, but it messes with us. Or when we get into a, a sinful goal in our lives, that um, you know, our finances, our retirement is our, our God. That's going to greatly impact how we do the, our schedule versus how God would have us to be. Uh, a great example of this is David and Bathsheba. Um, if you know the story, you probably know the, the story pretty well. It starts out with the words, while the other kings were out at war, David stayed home. David wasn't where he was supposed to be. And so then David's hanging out on his roof, sees a woman bathing on the roof next to him that's pretty hot, and he doesn't look away and go inside and say, whoops. He lingers. He watches. He lusts. And then he says to his guards, go get me that. I want to have sex with that. And so that's why, for me personally, you don't have to agree with this, I don't consider it an adulterous affair, I consider it rape. And he brings her over and he has sex with her and he sends her home. His next several months are wrecked, let alone hoes. Let alone hoes. It sets up for emotion through the motor of her husband, trying to cover it up. It sets up a cockiness that has to be buttoned down by the revelation of the prophet. It sets up a loss of a child. It sets up everyone in the kingdom knowing that the one after God's own heart. When we step into sin, it will put us into places that greatly impact what God had for us when it comes to our time and our freedom and our time. So it's something to consider. And then the last sub-point is this. Jesus uh, was not driven by other people's expectations. Think about that with your time. Jesus was not driven by other people's expectations. Uh, his family wanted him to slow down and maybe uh, shut up a little bit because they thought he was crazy. Uh, the crowds wanted him to be king. The zealots wanted a revolution. The Pharisees wanted him to shut up. Sick wanted healed. The demon possessed wanted it cast out. Everybody had expectations of Jesus. But he was not changed by the demands, expectations, criticism, threats, or even loved ones. God was forced. God was forced. Did I give you enough? Number two. No way, there's only 15 of these. I'm kidding. You need more than discipline, you need wisdom. Whenever we talk about something like this, and like maybe the Holy Spirit puts something on the heart, like, man, yeah, I got to do better with my schedule, or whatever the case may be, we usually go into, I just got to try harder. Uh, that's not what he says to us. Yes, we have to try harder. Yes, there's new tools. But we need wisdom. We need a change. Again, it's like coming to January. I need to lose weight. I'm going to do better this year. And then to January, it's like, pizza. Right? You know, it's just like, it's not, not there. That used to be me. Hey, I did have pizza like two weeks ago. I just haven't liked pizza since COVID. And I only had one piece, so who knows. The world is coming to an end. A couple verses for you. Ecclesiastes 10.10. Slap that there. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, most strength is needed, but skill will bring success. Um, the, the, I love the tool analogy uh, because I believe in tool analogy. I'm not a put-it-together guy. I'm not a, like a guy that has a work room or whatever the case may be. Uh, I do have a ton of tools. I just don't know how to use them. Um, but I do know this. If I buy a bookshelf from Kohl's or if I buy a table from ikea and i tried to use as little crap pieces of tools that they include in the box it's going to take three hours with, with real tools it's probably going to take about an hour hour and a half it's just the way it is um 
the right tool makes a huge, huge difference. The same comes down to our wisdom, how we see things, how we look at things, uh, how we discern things. Uh, and if we struggle in the area of wisdom on how to do that, James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Some of that is supernatural. Some of that is working with other people who are further along than you in any particular area uh, to, to help you, to teach you or get in wise counsel. But something has to change and it has to come with the God's wisdom within it. Uh, if you do not have a schedule of some sort, it's madness. I'm sorry, but it's madness. It's like me getting there and saying, you can manage your finances and not have a checkbook or have online banking or some kind of tool. You have to have some kind of system to manage your time or you're not managing your time. You're not. Love you. Oh, it's just not my way. I've tried it. Then There's other ways that you can do it, but some kind of scheduling, some kind of discernment into it to have plans and to have habits with wisdom to be part of that. Uh, so here's our sub-points. Jesus had a clear vision. Everything he did was off of this vision. We'll put this scripture up for you, Luke 4, 18 through 19. And this is Jesus speaking, and it is Jesus quoting scripture. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we leave that up for a little bit. If you ever just stop and marvel, how did Jesus do everything he did with a three-year public ministry? Three-year public ministry because he was focused. Because he knew the vision and everything was dictated by this. This is quoting, if you want to know, Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 2. Isaiah 61, 1 through 2. And everybody in Jesus' time who was raised within the Jewish faith that knew the scripture knew this scripture well. And they would have wondered why he didn't quote all of it. Because there's another part right after he says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, it says to proclaim the day of the vengeance of our God. But he didn't say that. And the reason he didn't say that is because he was saying, this is my role right now. The first coming of Jesus, this is my role, is to proclaim the good news. The day of me declaring the vengeance of the Lord, which is the end, which is the day of judgment, has not yet come yet, so he didn't say it because it's not for him to worry about yet. This is my wall right now. There's a period of time between those two stops. And you know what's in between those two? You and me, the church. This is my wall. This is what I'm doing right now. And then I'm going to hand it off to you. And this is your vision now. This is what you should be dictating your life off of before I come back because I'm waiting as long as I can for as many to come home as possible. Does that make sense? So that is our vision to be able to, to schedule all the time off of. So he knows what his part is, and that is clearly what he goes off of. Uh, another sub-point, Jesus established, nope, that's wrong. Nope, that's right. Jesus established priorities. This is going back to talking about priorities again. A couple of scriptures for this one, Luke 4. The next, Luke 4, uh, 42 through 44, yep. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But, he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that's why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This is how his vision drove him and how he made decisions. Mark 1, 36-38, popular one here when we talk about knowing how, how to know God's will for your life. Uh, we talk about this section quite a bit where uh, Simon, or Peter, 
And his companions went looking for Jesus out there. They had a massive day of ministry the day before. When they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. They're ready for day two. And Jesus replied, let us go someplace else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also because that is why I come. His priority was the gospel. And his priority after that was uh, proper religion. I know religion is not a very popular word when it comes to the world. Religion is not a popular word when it comes to commonplace Christianity. But if we go to the next scripture, if you would, Chris. For God, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It's proper religion. That's what we should be talking about as kingdom livers. Proper religion. Now, so if my first priority is God, my second is taking care of the poor, taking care of those who are helpless and lost, and leading them in the gospel, then we've got some things moving in the right direction. Now the sub-point, he was focused to the point of knowing what needed to be done. He's focused to the point of need, knowing what needed to be done. You never find Jesus stressed out about what wasn't getting done. He, he, he was so focused into what he should be doing at this time, he never had a moment where he was stressed out on what wasn't getting done. That was something that Martha dealt with. He did not. He understood the rhythms of grace that guided him so the decisions were there so he could manage his time well. And I love this one. He was focused on what was in front of him. He was focused on what was in front of him. Um, I was trying to think about this a little bit. I cannot imagine Jesus sitting and talking to a rabbi over a mill and Jesus being on the iPhone. <laughs> Granted, I know they didn't have it. <laughs> but, or him sitting and talking with Mary, Mary sitting at his feet and he's trying to watch uh, the Ohio State Michigan game at the same time. But, no, 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 no. Let's stop and pray for Chris. <laughs> no, it doesn't happen. I mean, every time you think of Jesus talking to somebody, his eyes are fixed on him. Is it not? He's completely focused on everything that they say, everything that they're feeling, and, and what God has in the moment. He's completely, completely focused. And that's so hard to do in this world if you don't have God first. Uh, I remember I was amazed by this. You guys uh, last year got to meet uh, my one of my mentors, Bob Buchan, uh, preached to it once. And um, I remember going to see him once when he was the lead pastor at uh, New Albany Christian Community Church. And we hadn't seen each other for like a year at that point. I hadn't seen him, so I was so excited about seeing Bob. And uh, after church, went out, and this was a church of maybe 400 or so people. And uh, he always wanted to be in the foyer as much as he could to talk to people. He wasn't somebody that just came out and performed and did a little wave and, and went back into the back room. And um, so I saw him out there, and he was talking to somebody. I was like, kind of, in my lameness, like expecting to be like, hey, so good to see you, man, and give a big hug and stuff. Uh, but he was talking to somebody, and I stood there, for, I kid you not, for at least 15 minutes without him even acknowledging I was there because he was focused on that one person. And I wasn't offended by it. I learned from it. And I'm still learning from it. I'm really bad at this. We're not a church of 400. But right after church, it's a busy time. 
It's a busy time. And I'm still trying to get better at focusing on whoever's in front of me. Uh, and I, I need you guys' help with that. There's times if I'm laughing and joking with somebody, come up and get a hug as you walk out. Um, but if I'm talking to somebody who got tears in their eyes, it might not be the best time to come ask Tom for a hug or to come up and make a joke or slap me on the back or whatever the case may be. It might be that, that, that there's a moment there that I need to be focused in on. And the same goes for all of us. We have those moments in our workplaces, our families, whatever the case may be. So Jesus was always focused on front of me. Okay, number three. We've lost JT. He left. Community matters. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's okay. We'll wait. <laughs> community matters. Christian community matters. Subpoint: Jesus made time for individuals. That's crazy. Three years, and he, and he may always he made time for individuals. I'll give you this reference. It won't be up on the screen, but it's Luke 8, 40 through 56. Luke 8, 40 through 56. Um, you guys probably know this story, but the, the woman who crawled up and touched the hem of his garment, right, to be healed, and uh, Jesus immediately stopped and said, who touched me? Who, who healed, who, do you know what he was doing in that moment besides being smothered by the crowds? He's going to help somebody. There was a young girl that was dying that they came and said, Master, please come. Says, she was dying. If anybody says, hey, it's an emergency, I just kind of can't keep going, whatever. It was, it was this moment. And Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? And his disciples said, you got to be kidding me. First off, who touched you? Everybody. Dude, you're being squashed. Secondly, are, are we really going to stop for, to figure out who touched you? When we've got this girl dying, but Jesus stopped, he ministered to the woman, he looked into her eyes, your faith has healed you, and then he went. And if you haven't caught it, by the time he got there, the girl was dead. At any point, everybody else is like, we've got to get there before, and Jesus is like, no, God's got this. I need to talk to this woman. And when he got there, he brought the girl back to life again. He spent time for individuals versus some of the excuses that we have. Um, he recognized the opportunity that was, God had planned for him if he even didn't know it was coming up. Uh, he invested into others with love, with training, with discipleship, uh, delegated uh, opportunities to people to loan their own personal ministry so that they could take on the ministry as he left. So Jesus made time for individuals. Jesus chose his company well. Another sub-point. Jesus chose his company well. Give you this scripture from 1 Corinthians. Again, look at the context of the scripture. Chris, if you put up 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Period. Period. He worked for people that would be support. He looked for people that uh, were investing into him as well as him investing into them. And for those that were challenging, it didn't mean that he didn't have anything to do with them. He just had proper boundaries. You and I need to have non-Christian family and friends. We do. Or else we're not going to reach the world in any way, shape, or form. And we're not sharing love to others the way that Christ loves them. But if they're your main core, it will not help you to go into kingdom living. Okay, number four. Let's slap up number four. He knew the importance of rest. Heard a couple of recognitions to that one. Next scripture I'm going to give you is one that he was raised with, Isaiah 58, 13 through 14. If you keep, my, keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath 
a delight in the Lord's holy day honorable. And if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your Lord. And I will cause you to rise to the land and just on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In other words, so shall it be. Amen. There's a lot of promises in that scripture. A lot of promises in that scripture. And again, with the fulfillment of Christ, Sabbath does not mean Saturday anymore. But Sabbath rest, weekly Sabbath rest, is undeniably important in our lives. Now, that's not the same as being lazy and watching Netflix and laying on the couch in your PJs or going to Walmart in your PJs, whatever you take your PJs with you. There's a lot of different options that we have to rest physically, but this is spiritual rest. This is the promises you get when you rest with the Lord, when you purposely rest with the Lord. Uh, this is why Jesus reminded them in Mark 2 when they turned it on to a legalistic mess that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We weren't created to fulfill this commandment. We have given this opportunity and this commandment for our own sake because we need to be able to rest in him. It's our purposeful, it's devotional, it's relational with the Lord. I, um, do you guys know, I, I'm, I'm still working on this in my own life in some different ways, uh, mostly from a weekly standpoint. That seems to be the biggest challenge. Uh, I do a, a three-day uh, retreat beginning of each year, kind of digging into the church and where God's leading us. Um, I do the six weeks of sabbatical now uh, every five years that I've learned much about now at this point in my life uh, and how important it is but it's got to be mindful and committed to it's a sacrifice to the Lord I have a friend that a pastor buddy that uh, she she really felt like she needed to learn more about sabbaticals as she was born and out and a couple of years ago she asked me to sit down with her and tell her what I've learned about sabbaticals so I did and she had a first sabbatical and it was a blessing. Um, unfortunately, I don't think she fully got some of the points, and now she feels she's an expert at it um, and doesn't want anybody to really speak into it. But she went on a sabbatical two months ago um, and went to two different um, denominational conferences, kept coming back into the church, and about halfway through the month just said, you guys, I'm not on a sabbatical anymore. I'm just too busy for it. No, no. No. Find time for Sabbath rest and say no to everything else during that Sabbath rest. It's a, it's a sacrifice to, to him that is beneficial to you. Number five, Jesus was never idle. He was very, very purposeful. Uh, his rest was purposeful. His work was purposeful. His ministry was purposeful. His relationships were purposeful. His fun was purposeful. Everything had a purpose. All of the things that you need in life, including watching Netflix, is good, unless if you do too much focus on it, and then it becomes a problem. Then it becomes a problem. Uh, again, it's not balance, it's, it's proper attention. And I think the best way that he did this is he understood and grabbed the gravity of how limited time is. If you want to point, he truly understood the gravity of how limited time uh, time is. Uh, we'll give you some scriptures about that. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Amen? <laughs> 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what God's will is. James 4.14, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? Your mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Psalm 39.5, you have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. We are here for such a limited amount. It's almost Christmas, y'all. Like in 2022, it's almost 2023. It seems like COVID started yesterday. You know, when they look in the, the, like the history books, are going to talk about how we dealt with that for like over three years. And we'll be like, huh, because it seems like forever. And it seems like yesterday. But I am thankful I can go to a movie again. You know what I mean? Like time goes so fast. My son is 30. My daughter is 16. My grandbabies are getting bigger every moment of the day. It just flies. One of the things I liked uh, in that chosen preview, for those of us who are getting to go uh, next week, we, well, we showed it here. And uh, there's that moment, if you remember, where like some guy, like Jesus, I said something like, uh, we're all losing something. And the guy says to him, what are you losing? And then his response is time. That's not a biblical statement. That's not something we're going, I'm going to be able to bust out a voice on because it's not. But when it comes to educated biblical imagination, because we have such a limited view of what Jesus actually said and did, um, the context of that makes sense. He only had three years, and he knew it. He, knew, he actually knew he only had 33 years and only focused on the last three because that's when his daddy said it's time. You ever think about that? You imagine being a 21 Lord Master of all things, going, can I get started now? If you know these things, if you put God first and you know your purpose in Christ and you understand time, I guarantee you, you'll have a plan for kingdom living. Absolutely. Number six, fulfill the mission God has for you. That period of time between the first coming and the second coming. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, we'll put up on the screen for you. And you knew this one was coming because it always comes up. The Great Commission. Go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded of you, and certainly I will be with you until the very end of the age is our mission. John 9, 4, Jesus says to us, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one is work, but today is the day. Today is the day. Learn from me. Learn from me. We go back to that one statement about time. If you would, Chris, just go to the next one there. Time is the most valuable asset in our life, even more than money. If you lose money, it can be regained. If you lost time, it's gone forever. The next one, if you would, Chris. The kingdom of God is freedom from oppression, healing, and wholeness. Hope, peace, and joy. If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 
or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.